What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to my social life. This is the podcast where you can do the real stories behind the people on social media. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly. As always, today's podcast is powered by TrueFan. And today is a takeaways episode. And if you're new here, what a takeaways episode is, is where I sit down and I talked about the most recent podcast episode of the week. And today, we're discussing my conversation with true fan CMO, Karen O'Brien. And I had Karen back on the podcast because we were chatting probably at this point when your list is probably a couple months ago, but at the time of recording, it's a couple weeks ago. We were talking about how it'd be cool to do a podcast all around branding, specifically on the true fan brand, because over the last couple months, probably three, four months, true fan has been going through a rebranding exercise, not exercise, but they've been rebranding the company along with rebranding player, which was their second acquisition, figuring out how those two brands kind of fit in together. What does this new brand look like? And it'd be cool to kind of pull, pull the curtain back and talk about that process on the podcast. So it's what we ended up doing. And so this is Karen's second interview on the show. But if you've listened to the podcast for a while now, if you've listened to the social reports, you know Karen's been on this podcast quite a bit. She's on every single month, last Friday of the month with the social report. But it's fun to get her back on the podcast, get a chance to interview her. And a little bit of context on Karen before she's been. So prior to working, being the CMO of TrueFan, she's also TrueFan's first investor. And prior to that, she's worked for a bunch of big companies. She worked for Western Union. She worked for Wonderman, um, helped working at Wonderman and Western Union, she rebranded West, helped re- rebrand Western Union. She went through the rebrand for T-Mobile when she was at Wonderman. So Karen has tons of experience. She's an international award-winning marketing executive. So it's always fun to get her on the podcast to chat and pick her brain. I got a couple of takeaways here that I'll talk about. A couple as they relate to kind of branding and marketing and then a couple other ones more so just, we'll say career takeaways or just personal takeaways that I had. So the first one being, for my first takeaway from my conversation with Karen, is everything starts with the customer. At the end of the day, if you're in business, everything has to kind of go through the customer, either the customer you want or the customer you have. In reality, probably a little bit of both. And, you know, because I feel like we can get so, especially like when I look at this and thinking of the customer specifically, I feel like I can be a bit of a creative in some sense, especially with this podcast. And I forget about the listener or the customer. But at the end of the day, without the customer, you don't have a business. <laughs> you know, if no one's paying you for your product or your service, you don't have a business. And so everything should start with the customer. What does the customer want? What does the customer need? What does the customer need to learn to understand the value of your company? Who is your customer? What colors will resonate better with your customer? What kind of... what? tone of voice what positioning will resonate best with your customer while what you want does matter to an extent what your customer wants matters so much more if you go through a whole branding exercise and you rebrand a company without thinking of your customer you're doing it wrong your customer is where you need to start with your branding actually yes I mean, also your values and everything. So maybe be, everything starts with the customer and how do your values, how does your mission, how does everything map towards that customer, right? Everything needs to come back to the customer. Always keep them in mind because they are your number one priority. Without your customers, you don't have a business, right? And so if you want to, if you want to look kind of the fundamentals of branding, and this is like, not, maybe not necessarily the fundamentals, but what Karen calls quick and dirty branding. You know, if you're a startup and you're listening to this, and obviously you have to go through and you just want to kind of, and you want to get a brand out there. You don't have tons of money to put into it. You don't have a lot of time to do this. These are kind of the core things that you should focus on. And you, if you can nail these things, you can essentially nail your brand. 
And so what Karen said was, if you understand your customer in depth, like we just talked about, if you know who they are, what they want, what they do, what they're looking for, why will you provide brings them value, then you're already in a good spot. So understand your customer in depth. Why are they buying from you? And when they think of your brand, what are they getting that's high value that they can't get anywhere else? Right. And so that's what you're trying to do with your brand. You're trying to leave an impression on your customer, on your potential customers. What is the first thing that they think of when they think of your brand? And it's not an easy thing to do. It's not easy to be able to invoke that emotional response or just to invoke that thought of your brand when someone says, so for in the context, when someone says true fan, it's hard to make sure they are thinking of a specific thing when they hear your brand's name right? It's not easy. It's a combination of everything. It's a combination of, well, your values, your mission, your value proposition, what is on your website, your copy on social and your website, your color scheme on social on website on everything. Every interaction with your company will help lead back into that brand, establishing that brand. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we had um, Barry Enderbeck on the podcast talking about Netflix's branding. And it was just on so many of the decisions for the brand came to the customer, right? They figured out their, their brand purpose through, which was, I believe it was movie enjoyment made easy. And they figured that out through talking to their customers and then everything ran through the customer and that brand purpose, right? And so the, again, the fundamental things that if you want to do quick and dirty branding, it's understand your customer in depth. Why are they buying from you when they think of your brand and what are they getting? That's high value. They can't get anywhere else. And I think that's such an important point, that last point. What are they getting from you that they can't get anywhere else? And that doesn't just have to be your product, right? Maybe it's the experience that goes along with your product, right? And maybe in TrueFan's case, like Karen talked about, they don't really have any competitors do specifically what they do. So part of a big part of the value that they offer that you can't get anywhere else is the product, right? But if you're in a saturated industry, if you're in a saturated market, part of the value that you can provide is the experience, right? What are, what can people get from you they can't get anywhere else? If you make the process of purchasing your product a very good experience, that is a form of value that your customers are going to be extracting. That is all, it's all part of your brand. What can they get from you that they won't get anywhere else, right? And you're not gonna be able to know what they can get from you that can't get anywhere else unless you have an in-depth understanding of your customer. Everything starts with the customer. Get to know them, understand them. What are their pain points? How can you solve them, right? Everything starts with the customer. Now, the next point that I wanted to touch on here briefly, and we talked about it, we honestly didn't even talk about it too, too long in the podcast, probably like four or five minutes, but it was around the importance of first-party data. And we've talked about it on this podcast in the past. So essentially what's happening is through a combination of different things of consumers with movies like The Social Dilemma, consumers are becoming more aware of how their data is being used and they don't want it used that way. So consumers are raising their voices. They're raising their concern for how their data is being used. And they want brands to clamp down on that. And on top of that, with consumers upset, you also have governments and governing bodies also starting to clamp down on data collection and how data is used with i think the most the most prominent i believe the strictest law right now is gdpr um so there's a lot of so with consumers raising their concerns with governments starting to apply pressure to brands we're seeing companies take steps to eliminate third-party data Right. So I believe Google, I, I think it's by 2022, Google said they will be eliminating third party data on 
from Google Chrome or third-party cookies, sorry, from Chrome and Apple, I believe as well has given gives Apple now with iOS 14. I don't know if this has gone into in yet because I don't have an iPhone, uh, but with iOS 14 point something, whatever it is, Apple is now giving consumers the option to opt in to how their third-party data is being used. You can just opt completely out of it and you are eliminating your third-party data from other brands. So it's putting the control of how your data is being used into the hands of the consumer. And so now with third-party data being able to being shut off, third-party cookies being shut off by Google, consumers having the power to shut off how their third-party data is being used with Apple devices, the access to third-party data is going to become harder and harder and harder. So as a brand, as a even as a creator, you need to start putting a higher priority on collecting first-party data, right? And so that is what TrueFan has made one of their, their missions is to make first-party data collection easy. They're going to make it compliant and they're going to help you enhance it, right? So we kind of talked about the unified product that TrueFan is launching and essentially how that works is it's combining player and TrueFan together. And so player allows you to collect first-party data at scale right they allow you to do that through contesting and different things able to collect compliant first party data help to grow your first party data user base your first party database and then with true fan on the back end of that you're able to then upload that data and enhance that data using the true fan platform right which is formerly called the social rank platform but they've collapsed the social rank brand and are just true fan and player now and so that's kind of what they've chosen is that's the problem they're solving is with first party data and it's an important problem right now. And Karen was talking about how she doesn't think a lot of marketers fully understand the the scope of this of this change to the industry, right? We've been blessed for the last however many years with super specific targeting. And anyone could start a brand and you get access to Facebook with all their data and you can target super specifically using Facebook, which is tracking their users across the internet which allows you to have super specific and targeted ads. But now that's going away and targeting specific consumers is going to become harder and harder and harder. So you're going to have to be able to collect first party data to be able to better market to your consumers, to be able to have that specific targeting. Because if you don't have third party data reaching people that you don't have within you that aren't your first within that first party data set, it's going to be harder and harder and harder to specifically and target people that are where would normally you'd use third-party data to target. So the importance of first-party data is ratcheting up, right? And so that's why that's true fan. That is what they, that is a problem they are solving. It is a big issue for marketers right now. And it's only going to continue as we see more and more of a crackdown on how data is being used. So do some research, do some reading up, under, try and just learn like about all the ways that first-party data is going to become a, a premium now because third-party data is starting to disappear and it's going to be harder and harder to come by making it harder and harder to target now those are kind of my i mean we talked branding and now the next one i guess first party data isn't really branding either i just had those first two points on branding but now the next point that i have here is that starting a company probably isn't as hard as you think it is that doesn't mean that it's easy but it's probably not as hard as you think, right? Now, Karen, I mean, this came out of one thing Karen learned when she was in in Silicon Valley during the dot-com boom. She had her own startup there and she saw everyone was getting funding, 
right? Everybody left and right. It was super easy to get funding at that point. You needed an idea and like a 10 page deck and you could get funding. And there are a lot of people out there who are looking to fund businesses. And you just have to find them. You have to be able to eloquently explain what your business is, the problem that you're solving. But there are so many people looking to fund good businesses. Now, it's probably hard to start and get funding for a bad business. But if you have a good idea, a genuinely good business idea, and you have experience and you are the person that should be solving that problem, it's not as hard as you think it is to get funding for a business. And again, again, super important that I want to emphasize that does not mean that it's easy, right? I'm nowhere near saying getting funding and growing a business is a walk in the park. It's not. It is hard. But I feel like just starting and getting that funding to get you off the ground isn't quite as hard as people give it credit for. Now, granted, this is coming from me. I This is my takeaway from my conversation with Karen. I have never raised funds for a business, so I don't actually know. But if we look at even flashback one week ago, my podcast with Kim Kaplan, Kim raised three and a half million dollars, if I'm remembering correctly, three and a half million dollars with a five-page deck. Now, granted, I'm not saying go make a five-page deck and you'll be able to raise three and a half million dollars. Kim had over a decade of experience in the industry. She had an incredible idea, and I think it's going to be wildly successful. I've said that on the last week's podcast, her idea for snack. And she had a wicked pitch, right? So she had five pages, but her presentation wasn't necessarily just tied to those five pages, right? Her presentation was equally as long, even better than most presentations. So we'll say the same length, but a better presentation. She just didn't rely on her slides. She was able to eloquently present her, eloquently do her pitch with only five slides. She didn't need 10, 15, 20 slides. She was able to do it with just five. And again, also because she is (laughs) over a decade in the industry as a vice president, I believe she's just, she didn't need that right? Because Kim, I think Kim is a fucking entrepreneurial ninja and she's going to kick ass with her business. So she was able to raise with five page, five page deck, right? And so if you are the, if you find a problem and you are the person to solve it, you can find, you can get that funding a lot easier than you think. It's not hard, right? If we even back to the Kim example, she, she raised in three weeks, which is probably, which I was like, holy shit, that's quick. But it was like, I was like, how many pitches were you doing a day? And she, I think she said it was like nine to five or eight to six, something like that. It was just wake up, pitch, 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 back to back to back to back to back from nine to five for three weeks. That's fucking hard. Pardon my French. I'm just fired up. But she was able to do it in three weeks with a five page deck. And now again, 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 I want to highlight, underline, bold, that the reason she was able to do that was because she was the perfect entrepreneur to do that with the business. She was starting a dating app. She had a kick-ass idea and she was the perfect entrepreneur to lead that business, which is why she was able to raise three and a half million dollars, I believe in three weeks. Right. But so zooming out, (laughs) moving off from Kim to you, if there is a problem that you have identified you and you are able to eloquently explain why you are the person that can solve that problem and lead the business that's going to solve that problem. Raising funds will not be as hard as you think it is. Again, again, I'm saying this for like a 900th time. It won't be easy, but it's not as hard as you think. Now, these next, these next three are kind of the personal takeaways that I had. Not per, like personal to me, just like takeaways for you as an individual outside of work. 
although actually this first one kind of applies to work, but I asked one thing Karen said that I read, this is just a direct quote. I said, she goes, you can never go wrong with building personal relationships. And that's absolutely right. You know, people say your network is your net worth, which is very true. And, you know, sometimes it comes down to, is it who you know or what you know? And at the end of the day, it's always going to be a combination of both. It is what you know, but it's also very much who you know. Right. We even go back to the podcast with Jason Portnoy. He said, best known always beats the best. <laughs> right. And that was that was in the context of personal branding and growing a solid personal brand. But it can also apply just to your personal network. Right. If all the big players know you, that's going to make you getting a job, you getting opportunities a lot easier versus if no one you could be the smartest person in the world. But if no one knows who you are, the opportunities aren't going to find you. Right. Versus if you are, if people know you, if you've built strong personal relationships, opportunities are always going to keep coming your way, right? If you know, if you've built a good network, you aren't going to be without work for very long. So you can never go wrong with building personal relationships. And you know, it's like, I feel like I've done a decent job building personal relationships, but even I know that's something I could do a better job at, right? Like I could do a better job of jumping on calls with people and trying to network with people online. And like, you know, I've, I haven't checked my LinkedIn at the time of recording this in like three weeks and I can, three weeks, three months. And I can see my DMs just piling up and like, I could do a much better job of being in there, engaging with people, jumping on calls, getting to know people personally and building those personal relationships. I'm even admitting now that's, a, that's a weak point in my kind of just current day-to-day routine. So it's something you can never go wrong with is building personal relationships. The next point here comes from, I asked Karen about fashion because Karen collects old patterns and stuff and she makes her own clothes. And she, even prior to being in marketing, she was in the fashion industry. And so I asked Karen, are we ever going to see kind of, are we ever going to see some, some Karen, a Karen O'Brien collection coming out here at some point? And she says she doesn't think so. She doesn't really want that. She said she might sell some patterns, but she doesn't want to sell her clothes. She's just something she does for herself. And I really like that. I think that's important. I feel like it's good to have personal hobbies, personal hobbies that you don't do for money that challenge you. I feel like every time I find something new and interesting that I like to do, my first thing is like, all right, how do I make this a job? How do I make this a full time thing? How do I start making money from this? Like every single time. And it's okay not, it's okay to do things not for money. It's okay to do things for the pure enjoyment of them, right? I, right now, I've talked with some past podcasts. I've been writing scripts and screenplays. No one's paying me to do them. I'm writing them all spec. And now, granted, they could come with money down the road, but I don't know. I'm just having a lot of fun doing it right now. I haven't really thought a ton about, like, how do I get these scripts made? Although that's going to be an important part, and it's great. I would love to see my the scripts turned into actual movies. I mean, I thought like maybe I'll launch them in a contest or something, but a lot of it is just I'm enjoying the writing. And so I'm doing it because I'm enjoying the writing. I'm not just doing it because I could make money from it. I'm enjoying it. And so it's good to have – I mean, granted, now I, mean, that's, I wouldn't even say that's a hobby I'm not doing for money because, I mean, ultimately that's what – that's ultimately where it might lead to, but – and just find those things that you like to do just to challenge yourself, have a little fun. Not everything has to be a money-making operation. Now, the last, the last, the last point is a very important one. And it's to spend time on things that matter because life is short. You know, and this kind of goes back to what I just talked about is how you don't have to do everything for money. And more often than not, you can make a lot of money doing things you don't care about, right? 
Like you can find ways to make money that pay really well that do things you don't really want to do, you know? And so what's the point, right? It comes down to, it comes down to happiness and doing things that matter, matter to you, matter to the world that make a difference. Don't, just make sure, like that was a direct quote that I said, spend time on things that matter because life is short and like, why? Like, Make sure when you wake up and you're going to your day, you're enjoying most parts of it. Of course, no matter what you do, there's going to be little bits and pieces here that you don't like, right? And you're going to have to do those. It's not, I don't even know if it's possible to like every element of your life 100%. There's going to be little things here and they're like, oh, fuck, I got to do this. And that's fine. But make sure most of the things you do, you enjoy. Make sure that they matter because life is short. So make sure you enjoy it. But I want to thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. Whether you listen the entire way through, you only listen to bits and pieces. I really appreciate you taking time to check this out. Do me a big favor. Go and follow Karen. I believe she's over 30,000 followers on LinkedIn. So you can connect with her. You can follow her on Twitter or Instagram. I'll make sure everything's linked in the show notes down below. If you'd like to follow me, you can find me everywhere on social media at the Jacob Kelly. Feel free to come and say hello. My DMs are always open. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to leave us a positive rating and review. Share this episode with a friend and subscribe to the show. Put up brand new interviews every single Monday and a brand new takeaways like this as an audio exclusive where I sit down and break down the most recent podcast episode of the week every single Thursday. As always, today's podcast is powered by TrueFan. Thank you once again for listening, everybody. We'll talk soon.